The reading this evening comes from Psalm 42 and 43 and can be found on page 567 in the Bibles in the pews. So that's Psalm 42 and Psalm 43. As a deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night. While men say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go with the multitude, leading the procession to the house of the Lord, with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the festive throng. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, in the heights of Hermon, on Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep, in the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs his love. At night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foe taunts me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. Vindicate me, O God, and plead my cause against an ungodly nation. Rescue me from deceitful and wicked men. You are God, my stronghold. Why have you rejected me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? Send forth your light and your truth. Let them guide me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God, my joy and my delight. I will praise you with the harp, O God, my God. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. Let's, uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that, uh, that you speak to us through the Bible, and thank you that it speaks to us in all sorts of different conditions that we may come. And we pray that as we look at these two psalms together this evening now, that you'd help us to see what you want to teach us from it. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, how are you? It's a bit like saying hello, isn't it, if I say that to you? Um, because I guess for many of us, that's a greeting that we often use, isn't it? But of course, it's a question. And often the response, well, more than often, most of the time, the response will be, Good, well, good, or I'm fine, or okay, thanks. When, when I used it at work, when I used to call patients in to come to see me in my consulting room, I'd go out and say, come through, Mrs. Jones, come through, Mr. Smith, and then I'd say, 
how are you? And occasionally people would say, that's a really weird thing for a doctor to say to someone. <laughs> and of course, they, because we can be so conditioned to feel that you've got to say, I'm okay, that it didn't occur to them that actually they could say, actually, I feel ghastly, I'm really worried, or I've got this awful pain, or, you know. And of course, that's what I wanted them to say. I wanted them to be honest. I wanted to know what was wrong. I wanted, I was asking, because I wanted to know why they were coming. And it's very easy for us, isn't it, to be superficial in our conversations, not to say how we really are. Of course, you don't want to go and tell everyone all your deeper secrets about everything about you, but we do need to be open and honest, at least with some people, at least with those who are our close family and friends. And I wonder what we're like in church. Are we any better in our church family? You know, on Sundays when we greet each other, we say, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm fine. And sometimes that'll be absolutely true. Sometimes things are fine, but at other times we'd be really hurting underneath, but we say, I'm fine. One of the great things about the Psalms is that uh, the psalmists, the writers of the Psalms, they're very honest and they express how they feel. So some Psalms are full of joy and thankfulness um, and other Psalms express praise for God's wonderful creation. But some are very honest in expressing how difficult particular situations are. So if you if we were to ask um, the writer of Psalms 42 and 43, how are you? The honest reply would come back actually pretty awful. So we're going to this evening be looking at this issue of feeling down, of feeling um, fed up, of feeling depressed. But before we go any further, we need to just mark out the area that we're looking at. In this series, we're looking at battles that uh, Christians face. And as we think about depression, I want us to be clear about what we are thinking about and what we're not thinking about. As, as a GP, a very significant part of work is dealing with low mood or depression. But when we use the term depression, um, we're covering a huge spectrum of conditions. It's, it's very common. Many of us will experience ups and downs in our mood. But as I say, it can, it can cover a huge spectrum of conditions. So it's one thing to feel a bit, uh, a bit fed up, a little bit sad, a bit down in the dumps. It's a completely different matter to be severely depressed. A quick chat, uh, some suggestions on how to think more positively. Um, that may well be all that we need when we're a bit fed up. And that's something that all of us probably feel a little bit at times. Some of us are more likely, are more stable, and others of us are a bit up and down, but that's how we can be. But severe clinical depression, that needs expert treatment. And I think it's really important to say that clinical depression is an illness. It's just like appendicitis, or having an ear infection, or diabetes, or breaking your arm. Somehow we find it easier to talk about physical illnesses, and we find it much harder when it comes to mental health issues like depression. And Christians suffer from everything like everyone else does. So Christians suffer from physical illnesses, Christians suffer from mental illnesses. And we need to be very careful not to apply uh, 
spiritual solutions to mental illnesses that we wouldn't apply to physical illnesses. Now, of course, I'm not saying that we shouldn't pray and we shouldn't ask for God's help, whatever the illness is, but there's a danger that we may think that somehow there's a, a specific Christian answer to some mental illnesses that we don't think there is when you've got appendicitis or broken your arm. And I think that's wrong. But what we are going to do now is we're going to look at some of the causes and some of the cures for our spiritual depression, the times when our Christian faith seems rather dry or when God seems rather distant. And the approach to our spiritual downers, which we're going to see in these psalms, is often quite inappropriate for someone with significant clinical depression. I think, it, I think the approach may be helpful for very mild feeling down in the dumps that's not specifically spiritual depression. Some, some of that approach may help. But if, you, if someone, if you or someone you know has got really significant depression, then this approach potentially is more than, is not helpful at all, really. And so I, I have to say that I take slight issue with the approach of Vaughan Roberts in, in the book Battles Christian Face, and we need to be quite careful to see what these two psalms are saying. So we're not talking, I'm not going to be carrying on now talking about the sort of depression for which you might need to go to see your GP or perhaps a psychiatrist, but rather the sort of dryness that we can all experience if we're Christians. Of course, if you're not a Christian here tonight, then, then you don't experience distance from God as pain or trouble which comes at times because you're distanced all the time. But that doesn't mean that you can turn off now because I'm sure that looking at this psalm will be helpful for all of us wherever we're standing. So, okay, let me ask you, do you get spiritually down sometimes? Do you sometimes feel as if God is far away? Do you find it really hard going sometimes to be a Christian? And if we're honest, I guess um, that probably is something that we all experience at times. Certainly if you read uh, Christian biographies, we'll know, well, it's a common feeling, and if you read Christian biographies, you'll see that it happens to others. But again, even in those biographies, we sometimes need to be a bit careful because Sometimes what they're describing is actually much more severe medical depression. Last week, uh, in our series on battles at Christian Phrase, we were thinking about doubt. And Billy Graham, he was once the great the evangelist, he was once asked by a psychiatrist, Professor Anthony Clare, if he ever doubted his Christian faith. And he replied that he never doubted. But I'm sure he had times when he felt a bit down. And the psalmist, we'll see as we're going to look in a moment, he doesn't really doubt his faith, but he definitely is down in the dumps. So let's have a look. Let's have a look at these two psalms. Let's turn to Psalms 42 and 43. So it's page 567. So these two psalms, they go together. And if you look at the footnote in the NIV, you'll see that in many Hebrew manuscripts, Psalms 42 and 43 constitute one psalm. And You'll see just above Psalm 42 that it's the start of Book 2, and Book 2 is Psalms 42 to 72. There are sort of five books, I think, in, of, in the Psalms. And uh, Psalm 43 is the only psalm in Book 2 that hasn't got a title. All the rest are attributed to someone. So I think we're right to use these two psalms together. They do go together. And the writer of this psalm, or these two psalms together, he seems to be rather low spiritually, 
Uh, so let's see what we can learn from him. And they're divided into three sections, which you may well have noticed. So there's chapter 42, Psalm 42, 1 to 5, and then 42, 6 to 11, and then Psalm 43, 1 to 5. So there's three sections. And you may have noticed, well, I hope you have already, as Ruth read it to us, that each section ends with the same words. It's like a chorus or like a refrain at the end of each of those three sections. So why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. Or you could say it was like this, why am I so sad? Why am I so troubled? I will put my hope in God, and once again I will praise him, my Saviour and my God. And what these psalms do is they show us some causes, or at least some of the causes, certainly in the case of this psalmist, the cause for his spiritual depression. But then they also provide uh, an answer to it, the cure. So we're going to look first of all at the causes, and then we're going to look at the cure. So what are the causes of the spiritual depression for the psalmist? For the writer of this psalm, there seem to be two particular causes. So the first one is that he's missing the feeling of closeness to God. And he also misses the joy of being with fellow believers. So look at verse 1. Just as the deer pants for water, so my soul pants for you, O God. And verse 2 goes on like this. I long for you, God. I'm thirsty for you, God. You're the living God, and I want to experience you again, God. I want to go and meet with you, God. The writer seems to know how wonderful it can be to know God, and yet somehow God seems far away right now. And then he thinks about uh, the temple and the worship that he's experienced there in the past. And he sort of says in verse 4, this is paraphrasing it, it used to be so good, Lord. I remember the crowds, the great procession as we all went to praise God. It was this fantastic, wonderful festival. The psalm's title, if you look back at the the title right at the start, it tells us that it was a a maskil, which is some sort of musical poem, written by the sons of Korah. Levi, so Levi was one of Jacob's 12 sons, so one of the head of the 12 tribes of Israel, and Levi, um, his great-grandson, was a guy called Korah. And Korah's descendants, they were the gatekeepers and the watchers and the musicians in the temple. So that was their job. So this person, or these persons who wrote this psalm, they were people who would have been gatekeepers, watchers, musicians in the temple. And as we'll see in a moment, this descendant is in exile, and he's longing to be back at the temple, joining in this exuberant praise and worship. I guess we can have that sort of feeling too, can't you? Can't we? Perhaps you sometimes think something like this. You might think, I wish we could experience the great time we had back then. Or, you know, somehow services in church don't seem to mean much to me now. Or perhaps you've had a great time away at... Uh, you know, with other Christians. So perhaps it's just at the Cypher weekend away or at the Connect weekend away or at a summer camp. You know, it's wonderful when you go away on a summer camp, if you go on M&M or Dorset Venture or one of the other camps. 
or you've been to a Christian conference, you know, or something like Word Alive or Keswick, and you go away and it's been fantastic, and then you come back home and the routine all seems rather flat in comparison. Or, or for some people, illness or old age prevent them from coming to church. And it can be rather lonely at home for them. And they may say, if only we could experience uh, the joy of being in the great crowd again. Well, just look back, back at the psalm. For, for the writer, God seems to be far away. Or at least the temple in Jerusalem does. Um, verse 6, if you look at verse 6, you'll see that verse 6 says, My soul is downcast within me, therefore I'll remember you from the land of Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. So he's far away, um, up in exile. He's up in the north of Israel, beyond the source of the Jordan, up in the mountains of the Hermon Range, up in the, close to the Golan Heights. He may well be there against his will, and he's so he really feels fed up. And up there, there's no sound of exuberant praises. There's no, no shouting crowds, no processing to the temple. All he hears, verse 7, are these waterfalls, the crushing of water. Waterfalls in the mountain echoing across the valleys. And that, that just seems to bring home his situation. It's as if the noise of this water crashing down reflects his feeling of his world just breaking up around him. And, and yet, there's still hope. Because even though he's far away in the north in these distant hills and he longs to be back on God's holy mountain, we'll, we'll look at that in a minute in chapter three, verse, uh, 43, verse 3, so God's holy mountain, of course, is Jerusalem. So he's in some mountains up in the north, and he says, I wish I was back in God's mountain in Jerusalem. But even though he's, he's way, way in the north, he's still aware of God's love, even though he says that God seems to have forgotten me. So verse 9, he says, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? But even though he says that, it's still to God, if you look back a verse, verse 8, it's still to God that he prays. By day the Lord directs his love, and at night his song with me, is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. So God seems far away, and yet he still prays, and he knows that God will be with him. And then in 43, Psalm 43, verses 3 and 4, we read more specifically that he longs to be in Jerusalem with the other believers, praising and delighting in God. Verse 3, send forth your light and your truth, let them guide me. Let me bring them, let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. Then will I go to the altar of God, to God my joy and my delight. I'll praise you with the harp, O God my God. So this is the first reason. You know, why does he feel spiritually depressed? Well, the first cause is God seems to be far away. God seems to, he feels as if God has forgotten him. And he definitely misses the fellowship of other fellow believers. But of course there's another cause in this psalm for why he feels so down. And that's because of the opposition that he receives. So when he was back in Jerusalem guarding the temple, uh, watching the temple, leading the worship, he was surrounded by fellow believers. But up here in the heights of Hermon, in the mountains up in the Golan Heights, it's not like that at all. The people here 
they're quite unsympathetic. It's not just that they're apathetic, they're not just quiet and ignore him, they actually taunt him. It's bad enough to feel that uh, God is far away. It's even worse when unbelievers start to mock you and they question your trust in God. Look at verse, again, verse 3 of Psalm 42. My tears have been my food day and night, while men say to me all day long, where's your God? You know, he's hungry or thirsty for God, but all the refreshment he gets seems to be is his own tears. It doesn't help when people say, I can't see your God, where is he? It's such a contrast to the joyful events of the temple. When you were there, when he was there, he had no doubt that God was with him. But up here in exile, it's much harder. And it certainly doesn't help when people are saying things like this. But in, look at verses 9 and 10, it's even worse than that. So I say to God, my God, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? You know, it's more than just the occasional comment. Those around him seem to be totally hostile. He feels crushed. He feels oppressed. They're cruel towards him. They keep on taunting him and they keep saying, where is your God? It's perhaps good for us to re reflect, particularly as we've got a communion service this evening, that of course that's a feeling that the Lord Jesus experienced and he experienced it in a way that none of us ever will. Jesus felt crushed. He was sad and depressed as he approached the cross. John 12, 27 records him as saying, Now my heart is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Or in Gethsemane, Mark uh, 14, verse 34, records Jesus saying, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. So Jesus experienced a really low point and it was of course finally terrible on the cross as he felt these, these two aspects. You know, he was definitely felt deserted by God and he was taunted by his enemies. Let me just read to you a few verses from Matthew, Matthew 27. Matthew 27 verse 39. We see how he was insulted. Those who passed by held insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you're the son of God. In the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we'll believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the Son of God. And in the same way, the robbers who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. And then the next two verses, we see again how he was, how God definitely was distant. He was forsaken. So from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, darkness came over all the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So Jesus certainly knows what it means to be forsaken and he was truly God forsaken because he carried our sins being judged in our place. So what the book of Hebrews says, the verse in the book of Hebrews is we can be very confident 
uh, you know, we can, say, we can confidently say with it that we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. So when we experience distance from God or taunting by other people, Jesus has experienced that far more than we ever will. But let's go back to the psalm. So in verse, uh, the psalmist too has been taunted. So in, verse 40, in Psalm 43, the first two verses, Vindicate me, O God, and plead my cause against an ungodly nation. Rescue me from deceitful and wicked men. You are God, my stronghold. Why have you rejected me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? He's asking God to stand up for him, to vindicate me, O God. Declare me innocent, defend my cause, plead my cause. You know, and he's saying, it's no good, God. It's no good, God. These people keep insulting me. They keep insulting you. Make them see that you are real, God. Make them realize that you do exist and that you're powerful. I wonder, do you feel spiritually down sometimes because of the taunts or comments of others? It's, it's much easier to feel uplifted in the presence of our fellow Christians, isn't it? It's sometimes hard when we're in other situations, especially if you're the only Christian there. So how's it for you at school or college? Do other students give you a hard time? Or at work or at home? Perhaps for some of us, our family think we're rather crazy. Perhaps you pray like the psalmist, Lord, help me stand up, help me, stand up for me please. Help them to see that you really are worth knowing. But of course it is really hard and it's very easy to let all this opposition get us down. So these psalms show twofold cause, two causes particular in this case for spiritual depression. One is of God seeming distant and opposition from non-believers. And I guess that God feeling distant, we don't have to be in exile. That can happen right here in church. We can still be down and feel as if God is far away. But what's the cure? Surprisingly, it's to talk to yourself. Three times the psalmist talks to himself. So in verses 5, verse 11, and verse 5 again, he talks to himself. He knows that it doesn't help to keep feeling sorry for himself. And running through the psalm is this confidence that though God seems distant, yet he knows that God does care and that he will send his light and his truth to bring him, bring him back and guide him. Verse, verse 3 of Psalm 43. Verse 8 of Psalm 42 tells him that he knows, he says God's love is still with him even in exile. And so in these three refrains, he challenges himself, and he says to himself, why are you so downcast, my soul? Why so sad? Why so disturbed within me? Why am I so troubled? There isn't always an immediate answer to the problems he's talked about, but despite it all, he will put his hope in God. He will once again praise him, my Savior and my God. What, what do we do when we feel down? If God feels distant when others make life difficult for us as Christian believers, 
I suggest we should follow the psalmist's example. Don't let yourself wallow in self-pity. Think about God and put your hope in him. Trust that he will help you through the difficult patch. Start to (coughs) praise him. That can be difficult when you feel down, but start to thank him. Even, Even in the blackest of situations, we still have so much to praise God for. And above all, remind yourself that the Lord Jesus does understand. He's experienced the worst spiritual downer of all. And it's good to try to express how you feel. Don't hide under that I'm okay facade. Don't bottle it all up. Share it with trusted friends if you can. And certainly cry out to God. Even though he may feel distant, still cry out to him. But talk to yourself as well. Reason with yourself. Remember that God is great and remember good times from the past. But it may be helpful just very quickly and finally to look at these psalms as showing a progression. Because I think as we look at them, he's actually progressing from being really down to getting out of it as we go through them. So the first section, Psalm 42, 1 to 5, he's longing and regretting. He's longing for the good times of long ago. He's full of regret that things are not what they used to be. And he's sort of moody and a bit introspective. But even in that sort of feeling, his faith can't be completely kept down. So in verse 5, the first time the refrain comes, he, he does trust in God and he does hope for deliverance. But then the second bit, Psalm 42, 6 to 11, he's rather dejected and yet there is hope. So in verse 5, in the refrain, he's just said that he shouldn't be downcast. He's talked to himself and said, I shouldn't be downcast, you know, don't be downcast. But then in verse 6, he immediately confesses, actually, I still am downcast. And as so often happens in the Psalms, the writer is absolutely honest. You know, he doesn't put on a brave face. He knows he shouldn't be sad, and yet he confesses that his heart is breaking. But in his dejection, there's hope. And he refers in verse 9 to God as his rock. That's a theme that comes a lot in the Psalms. So, for example, Psalm 94, the Lord has become my fortress and my rock, and my God, the rock in whom I take refuge. So even in this situation of dejection, he knows deep down that he can depend on God. And so that prayer of 9, verses 9 and 10, which is really a prayer of sadness, you know, when he's saying, why have you forgotten me? Why is, it, why is this all happening to me? It leads on to verse 11, where he encourages and exhorts himself to have faith. He's saying, yes, I will have faith. And then by the time he comes to Psalm 43, in this section, you can see him having more confidence in God. You can see him realizing God's faithfulness and power. At the start of Psalm 42, there was regret. Then there was confusion. But now there's confidence and trust. His circumstances haven't changed much. He's still up there in the north. The people are still taunting him. But there is, so there's the prayer to God in verse 1, to vindicate, asking God to vindicate him. He asks for God's protection. 
even though he's still questioning why God has seemingly abandoned him. But now, the certainty. He's looking forward with great anticipation to real fellowship with God. Verses 3 and 4, he's really starting to look forward to when he's going to be back there again. So when he comes to the refrain of verse 5 of Psalm, the last time in Psalm 43, perhaps he's saying it in a different tone from our tone of voice to the two times in Psalm 42. The first time in Psalm 42, the refrain was like a rebuke. There was a glimmer of hope, and he tells himself off in his dejection. In Psalm 42, verse 11, the refrain has become an exhortation. He's not just telling himself off, but he's saying, I know it will be better, even though I'm still rather bewildered and confused now. But then in Psalm 43, verse 5, it's as if he now says, I know it for certain. Faith has won. And his, his refrain there is a real declaration of certainty. He says, I do, I do put my hope in God. I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. So what are we going to take away from these two psalms? It's a normal Christian experience to sometimes feel spiritually low. God does sometimes feel distant. We miss the buzz and excitement of a special Christian time away or good time in church. It can be really difficult living for Jesus in our hostile society. And all this can sometimes make us low. There are a few practical steps. So, for example, some of us might need to think about this. We might not, we might not be taken off into exile like the psalmist, but we might need to move um, place where we live because of work or study, or we might just think it would be nicer to go and live in X or Y place. But do we consider whether we'll be able to have good Christian fellowship and teaching where we're going to move to? If we have a choice about where we're going to go, then shouldn't that be an important factor to take into account? Meeting regularly with other Christians is so important. And as I said, even when we do that, of course, we still may get spiritually low. But the advantage is we're more likely to be able to express to someone how we feel. If we're on our own, cut off, then it's hard to share with someone. So let's try to be more honest when it's appropriate. I mean, not with everyone, but and it's appropriate when we're asked, how are you? And we also shouldn't forget those for who, for whatever reason, are just unable to get to church, particularly illness or old age, but also those whose work means that they can't regularly um, be regular on Sundays or at house group. And I know when at various stages in my career I was working frequent weekends, I valued all the more the opportunities I did have to get to meet with fellow Christians. We will will face opposition and ridicule at times, and it will get us down. But like the psalmist, we need to keep talking to ourselves. We need to keep realizing how great God is, remembering all that the Lord Jesus has done for us, reminding ourselves that God is in control and that his purposes will win out. And with God's help, we can, we can move. We can you know, not stay stuck, just like the psalmist didn't stay stuck. We can move. We can move from longing and regret through dejection and hope, and finally to confidence in God, even if we still sometimes feel confused. And of course that may 
You know, that isn't just a once-only thing. That may happen lots of times in our life. So perhaps this threefold refrain, this little chorus here, this threefold refrain, might be a good one to learn off by heart, to challenge ourselves when we get down, so that we can say to ourselves, if we feel down, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for uh, these two psalms, this psalm, and as we think about this uh, difficult area of being depressed or being down, we want to just pray again, first of all, for those for whom uh, depression is a much more serious issue, where it's a, really an illness, and we pray that if any of us suffer from that, or we know others in our families who do, that we may be able to help them, point them in the right direction to get the right help. And Lord, we know that for um, people who are severely depressed, there are doubts about the Christian faith as well, but that's all mixed up with their depression. But we realize too that for all of us, whether we, even if we don't get seriously clinically depressed, we can still have downers, and as Christians we can have downers, and you sometimes seem far away, and yet you're not. And Lord, life is sometimes difficult when people taunt us. Please give us strength. Help us to trust in you. Help us to be reminding ourselves about you and to put our hope in you. And we ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen.